Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, the tennis podcast by fans. On today's emergency podcast special, all Thursday matches are off after a positive COVID case in Melbourne. Up to 600 players, coaches and officials put back into quarantine. But the Australian Open is still set to go ahead. Kim, a dramatic day in the Tennis Canada in Melbourne. I feel like we were just kind of getting into kind of full flow. All six tournaments in Melbourne were up and running. And then the news hit that, let's be honest, no one really wanted to happen. What came about a positive COVID case in one of the hotels that the tennis players were quarantining in. And as a result of that, Tennis is off the cards, certainly for Thursday, and it's really kind of thrown up in the air <laughs> any sort of tennis in, in Melbourne, including the looming Australian Open. I mean, it's it's a, you know, it's it's not, I think, a totally unexpected situation. It's certainly one we wanted to avoid. But I mean, it has given, it has given us the opportunity to get out our, our second ever emergency podcast. I know. Um, I have to say, Joel, uh, you know, this one doesn't involve Novak Djokovic hitting a line uh, judge, which is our first ever emergency pod. And, you know, uh, this one just, well, I have to say, I agree with you. Um, it wasn't a complete shock. It was bound to happen, I almost feel, at some point. You know, Australia as a country are setting the bar so high when it comes to COVID. Like, they've done so, so well. And it's been 28 days since like Melbourne have had, you know, no COVID cases uh, transmitted in the community, which is amazing. Um, so it was kind of almost inevitable, I suppose. But I have to say, when I heard the news, you know, I still let out a massive groan because it was just like, oh, really? You know, we just kind of got used to having a few days of tennis. Like I was getting up in the morning being you know, excited <laughs> to uh, to watch whatever the, you know, the, the later matches were and check out all the results from the night and and then it's kind of, oh, okay, it's suddenly all off. Uh, and well, well, it remains to be seen if it will come back on again, I suppose. Really hoping it will be, but um, they're going to have to make some interesting decisions. I was also totally gutted. You know, I'd watched Katie Bolter, Naomi Osaka last night. I was so impressed with how Bolter was uh, handled herself mm, on, on the tennis yeah. court. It got me really, it got me really excited. And then, you know, I was, I was looking forward to, you know, Sophia Kennett versus Garbina Muguruza, which was, you know, scheduled to happen, which was, of course, the Australian Open final last year. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been all put on hold and I'm in a sort of similar sort of, gutted state in terms of you know not being able to kind of stay up late and and watch kind of the live tennis um but you know these as you said this this has happened now um you know with tennis australia and you know just generally tennis is going to have to react to it you know it was a very sort of i think surprise situation probably for a lot of people because i think the the press conference itself was at 10:30 
um, you know, on 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 a Wednesday evening, and you know, you know, it's not going to be good news if you're going to be, you know, <laughs> uh, scheduling a press conference for that late. But um, I think you know what, what's kind of interesting, kind of looking at kind of the you know the statement and how this kind of broke out is that you know this came from you know a news story not from tennis australia it came specifically from the victoria state government and you know i'm looking at kind of the press release and i'll just kind of read some some excerpts from it but essentially it was all around sort of the grand hyatt hotel um which is one of the um, hotels that was being used by the players and um one of the um one of the staff members uh, tested positive. The individual last worked at the Grand Hyatt on the 29th of January and was tested at the end of their shift, returning a negative result. Subsequently, he developed symptoms and was tested again on the 2nd of February and he returned a positive result later to, later today. So the result of that has basically meant that uh, up to 600 uh, players uh, officials, coaches who were at that hotel, um, whilst this volunteer, or sorry, while this was kind of staff member who I think was a volunteer actually, um, was there, have had to go back into kind of quarantine. So it's a, you know, for those players, it's a bit of a kick in the teeth. You, you know, you've got this, free, you've had this freedom, um, you know, for, for a few days, but, but now you're having to go back into, uh, well, effectively, effectively lockdown. Yeah, it's um, an interesting conundrum and <laughs> they must just be thinking, oh, this is just sod's law, isn't it? But I mean, they're all in the same boat and yeah, they've, they're all being considered casual contacts. So they've got to get tested and obviously whilst they await the results of that test, they have to isolate. So there's no no two ways about it. They don't have a choice. Um, all the hotel staff also working at the Grand Hyatt, they are considered primary contacts. So they are going to be isolating, getting tested, but having to stay isolated for 14 days. So at least the players, you know, aren't in that boat that they're not considered primary contacts because otherwise I guess the Australian Open would definitely be off or at least delayed again. So um, they've kind of identified like all the exposure sites, I guess, where this particular worker, you know, was in those few days uh, between his negative and positive tests. So anyone obviously visiting those sites has also got to isolate for 14 days and get tested. But yeah, it's... um, I mean, I guess there's many scenarios. If some of the players test positive in this, you know, run of tests that will be, well, getting underway very soon, I suppose, with the time difference between when we're recording this on our Wednesday evening. I mean, what happens, I guess, obviously, if if you test negative, uh, sorry, if you test positive, you're out, obviously, and you'd have to uh, miss the Australian Open. But what happens then with, a say, a player test positive? anyone that they played against or practiced with, will they also have to, you know, will they also be out? I mean, I, I don't know. Well, it, I just don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a very precarious situation. Uh, you know, I think Tennis Australia particularly are, gonna, are, you know, are finding themselves in. It's almost kind of a silver lining here in the sense that it was a it was a worker at the hotel and not necessarily a player, because I think if it was a player, I think alarm bells would seriously be ringing for whether the Australian Open could could go ahead. But at the same time, I do feel that if over the next few days a player does test positive, I think that is going to throw the Australian Open in some serious, serious doubt. I think at the moment, because it wasn't a player, I think there's been a little bit more sort of 
caution in terms of you know the Australian Open can still go ahead as planned. We understand that the draw is still um, you know is still going to be made um, you know at the time of this recording. We are expecting for you know for ourselves for British fans to kind of wake up and kind of see the see the draw. But I guess that will be the next sort of um, you know point we will understand you know what impact this has on the Australian Open whether you know whether that draw gets pushed back whether it just gets made and and you know we'll, we'll just have to wait and see but I think that will be the next sort of moment we will we will look at I think kind of just kind of on the you know this sort of the fact that players are in in isolation and you know they're going into you know testing now um I find it interesting you know kind of reading kind of reports you know they will get tested you know they will be getting tested I assume you know maybe now uh, tomorrow and you know getting their results back and once they have a negative result then hopefully they can kind of get about back to kind of what they were you know whether they're in competition or, or whatever. But um, I think it does, for me, it kind of suggests, I think that maybe there's still a little bit to do in terms of, in terms of testing. Cause you know, I think we have rapid testing available, for example, but we're not using it and still there's that delay. And because of that delay, it feels like it's, it's not as tight as it could be. And if we had rapid testing, maybe um, it, it would be a lot sort of, it would be a bit more efficient and it could be, controlled even better but at the moment because kind of testing is a bit more delayed it's it feels therefore a lot more kind of up in the air I guess so but I think I mean I've not I don't know 100% on this I'm not an expert but I think the rapid testing is less accurate so Mm. that also isn't really ideal I mean even I think with the more accurate tests there's still always the chance of a false negative or a false positive which potentially you know could have happened with with this particular worker or you know in previous tests so oh it's just yeah it's such a a a melee really isn't it it's um I know that the organizers obviously and you know Craig Tiley and everyone there they'll be just waiting and hoping and and seeing and yeah like you're quite right there they may very well be a draw tomorrow and then that draw may very well change because a lot of people in the draw may not be in there anymore or you know god forbid they may not have a tournament um, I guess they'll have to consult with the Victoria, you know, health officials um, because obviously they are, I guess, the the ones who would have the ultimate say, um, you know, and, and obviously in close contact with, with the AO organisers. But I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's interesting because if this had happened at the US Open, which obviously it did, you know, we had Benoit Pair testing positive and the Pair 11, but it, it, it didn't... It, it was a big deal then, wasn't it? But it wasn't kind of a massive scandal in terms of the country because obviously there was such high rates of COVID in New York and, and the USA at the time. Uh, same at the French Open, you know, whereas this is so much, uh, it's such a different scenario because Australia, you know, had no COVID essentially. Um, and I guess locals are kind of going to be like, well, we knew this was a bad idea, bringing all these international tennis players um, into Melbourne, you know, bringing COVID with them. And I guess there'll be a lot of like, oh, I told you so uh, from people who were kind of anti the event happening. You know, it is a funny situation in the sense that, you know, I'm sure that there are going to be fans, uh, you know, around the world who are kind of looking at this and thinking, oh, it's just one case. Surely, you know, th- tennis can kind of go on because you know we've seen you know we've seen that happen kind of before but but as you said it's a different situation in in melbourne the fact that they have been uh you know coronavirus free i think for the last 
27, 28 days or, or however many it is, um, it means that they're on this sort of different platform and, and they, they want to make sure that it is, it stays as low as possible. And I think that's why, you know, the Victoria state government have come in really hard in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of these sort of rules and, and these are therefore implications on tennis Australia. Now, I, I'm kind of fascinated by this sort of, you know, relationship that Tennis Australia have with, you know, the the government because, you know, obviously they're in partnership and, um, you know, I'm sure Tennis Australia would have backed their, you know, Victoria State government's decision uh, regards to, you know, pausing tennis on the on a Thursday, etc. But at, at the same time, you do wonder if Tennis Australia are a bit like we've got a tournament to run. I get that there's been one case, but hey, that it's ha- that that happened at the U.S. Open, for example. Let's kind of go on. And I feel like that, you know, of course, the Victorian state government and all the probably all the the residents in in Australia and in Melbourne particularly are a bit like, you know, again, it's it's just entering that debate of you know tennis players should not be above the you know above the law and get that special privilege. But I wonder whether there's it might create a bit of a attention or, or criticism between tennis australia and, Vic- and the victoria state government because as you said for all we, for all you know victoria state government could you know be saying to tennis australia like oh we told you so we might not have you know we might not have had public kind of reservations about you holding the tournament but it might come out now because of you know because of this situation that we find ourselves in yeah, I, I think there's probably already quite a bit of tension between the state government and Tennis Australia. But mm. I mean, I mean, the AO, you know, in a way, though, they might as well have it. They've got all these players in. They've, you know, invested a lot of money yep. in all the quarantine and the hotels, time and money and energy. And, you know, it brings a lot of um, boost normally, you know, to the Australian economy. I suppose it's a bit different this year, but um like it would be a shame for them just to kind of completely forego the whole thing after all of this planning and I'm sure they would have encountered uh, this scenario in their planning so um but yeah I was thinking earlier though about Andy Murray I was thinking oh maybe he won't be so annoyed after all because it may never happen and he's saved himself a flight to Australia and everyone else will be like damn get me to the Biella Challenger um so I can play some tennis. I, well, I know. The, the Challenger Tour might be, uh, yeah, get it's the kind of biggest uh, audience. But you know, who knows next week? Because yeah, as, as you said, um, you know, there's still tennis going on in the world. It's just not happening in in Melbourne at the moment. And I was just going to say, I think Alexandra uh, McClelland, one of our listeners, she did tweet us uh, regarding that. She said, "Oh, maybe Andy Murray, you know, will have like the last laugh um, <laughs> when all is said and done. Come, come that Challenger starting." So yeah, I thought that was a really good point <laughs> well I, I was just going to say i mean the conundrum you know the immediate conundrum at the, at the moment is these is the is these six events what what do you do with them because as i said they're all in sort of mid flow i think we're in the sort of like you know quarterfinals uh you know mid stage of, of these events and it's it remains to be seen kind of you know what happens what happens to them i know there's been kind of talk of the potentially of like the ATP 250s going till Monday and um, having the finals on a Monday and maybe delaying uh you know the Australian Open a, a day or so but it, it it really it really is very kind of uncertain and uh, you know it, I think for me it raises this kind of issue that yes I think we all as fans love in in, in the idea of, of having six events in one place and having you know crazy order of plays with 60 plus matches on on one day but i think i think now there might be a a slight sort of change in perception of that to 
to a kind of you know the thinking around having it all concentrated in in one area was was that was that asking was that asking for trouble and and that, where, where do you kind of what do you think kim do you, do you think it was a right decision to kind of have all these events in one place or do you think it would have actually made more sense to you know if possible kind of spread them out because i think that having them all in one place having all these people congregating together it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it minimizes like the risk potentially of something like this happening but Joel, they'd all have to congregate together for the AO anyway. So if even if you'd have had like half of the warm up events in I don't know another location, mm. uh, do you mean in in Victoria? Or are you talking like elsewhere in Australia? Because then you've got the whole issue of state borders and yeah. No, I was thinking maybe more in in Victoria. I don't I don't know, okay. but it, it feels like I mean, what what, what, do you, what do you think? I mean, I just think in terms of the number the number of events, does it feel a bit excessive when? <laughs> the fact that you know the fact that you know the coronavirus is still you know is still present and it's just very hard to you know make sure all we can keep all of these wheels turning you know whilst this thing is still is still present yeah but i guess you know you have to think of what the players want like they don't want to go straight into a grand slam without any kind of match practice like having to quarantine and then not having that kind of week of having a tournament to play if you'd if you'd have just had less events then there wouldn't be enough opportunities for everyone mm. to have that um so I, I do think it's a bit like balmy having six tournaments in one place um as a fan like trying to keep up with it and work out who's in what event has been quite confusing and i mean don't get me started on the order of play because i don't i just find it confusing just to look at um and I think like Amazon Prime were putting up like the wrong, um, possibly the wrong um, event for one of the matches. But I, I was just, I don't know. I'm just going to press play and watch it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I, th- I think they've, I don't disagree with what they've done with regards to staging the tournaments because I think they need to give everyone an opportunity to, to get that match play. Uh, and the idea is that everyone has quarantined would be negative. And if there's no community transmission in Melbourne, <laughs> Where does COVID come from? Do you know what I mean? If they've all done their two weeks, um, where where would it possibly come from? If everyone entering the country is having to do this fourteen days, you know how is it how is it getting in? Um, it's a bit bizarre, but obviously they had that case in Perth uh, as well, um, and they've gone a very long time without a case, and they've got um, one popped up uh, over in Perth, so they're kind of back in a bit of a lockdown but yeah i don't know it's uh i mean it doesn't bode well does it for something like the olympics happening as well later in the year which is obviously a massive massive event you think this is a big scale event but the olympics is you know something else entirely and oh they're going to be sort of maybe looking to this and thinking well is it is it worth uh, having the olympics this year i know they've already sort of said maybe it's best that we don't do it i think i think tokyo were trying to bid possibly for the 2032 games i think um if if this year can't happen so i i don't know if that's going to be cancelled and well i mean that's another story isn't it and i'll leave that for further down the line but i don't know if they'd be looking to see what's going on with this um at all perhaps and i think another kind of issue i think this is kind of thrown up is the fact that you know with the australian open if you know, we spoke about it on a previous you know episode around the fact that if it if it can happen, great. But but can it happen fairly? And again, the fact that kind of players who you know were in that hard lockdown, who their tournament started on on Wednesday, 
I mean, they're going to be at a massive disadvantage if if the Australian Open does kind of go ahead because, you know, they're going to have very, very little match practice. And again, I feel wonder if it will raise a debate on in terms of, you know, I feel like this Grand Slam more than any of the other Grand Slams that we've had, um, you know, post kind of uh, post the, the pause, um, you know, does this one deserve an, an asterisk next to its name more than the others? Because, the fact that, you know, you're going to have players who have played a few matches, but then you're also going to have players who have had very, very little um, practice on the court and and no kind of, is it unfair to them? So, yeah, I think that sort of is another kind of question that this is sort of raising the fact that there are going to be players who've just going to have no practice whatsoever kind of going into, into the, into Australian Open if it does, if it does happen. Yeah, I mean, it depends, isn't it? If they're just going to like delay the matches by one day and then everything can get started again on Friday, that's not a great uh, change to... Yes, yes, I know it's like not fair anyway, but one day shouldn't make too vast a difference. But I mean, then you go into the argument of should they have had another week of, um, you know, before the actual AO started to allow everyone to kind of catch up a bit. But I'm afraid I don't think there's a pandemic is ever going to be fair for any kind of, you know, aspect of society uh the tennis you know players included it's um obviously difficult for everyone but especially some more than others and i think maybe in any job or scenario that's that's going to be the case and that's it's rubbish but I, i don't know how much you can do to like ameliorate that but yeah i mean anyone listening they by the time you listen if the tennis australia may have already announced what is going to happen next so um we are fully aware that when we're recording this, obviously, due to timing, we may be, you know, you might be listening and it, it might already be out of date. But yeah, we just kind of wanted to get our thoughts across as we sort of dissected this news today, didn't we, Joel? And and it came it came on a day, actually, that uh, the news Diana Yastremska's, uh ban um, from tennis has been... Um, has not been lifted her kind of appeal failed <laughs> so if there's one player who's probably having it the worst of, of anyone it's it's Tyania Strepsi because she's now going to have to pay all of the she said well she's announced she's going to pay all of the sort of costs of her being over there out of her own expenses um but it just seems that she's gone through a lot of um unnecessary uh hurdles and, and quarantines and lockdowns etc um to not to effectively not play tennis so um you know, again, it's a, it's a, just a, a situation you would not want to be in. It kind of, I think, from a player point of view, just kind of emphasises that, you know, the players who didn't make the trip here, whether that was because they couldn't, like Andy Murray, um, or decided to give it a miss, players like Seb Corder, um, it shows that they're probably in the, you know, the driving seat at the moment because they're getting uninterrupted uh you know tennis albeit a lower you know a lower uh, tier of you know for example for the you know for the men on, on the challenger tour but um you know it seems like they are in the sort of prime position just to kind of keep their season going without kind of coronavirus kind of getting in the way because the majority of the players at the moment are just oh, well they're just are they just gonna be back to making tiktok videos in in their <laughs> hotel room um yeah yeah yeah, let's let's look out for that tomorrow or overnight. Um, see how inventive they've been getting uh, in this this isolation. <laughs> but um, yeah, Seb Calder, he might be looking quite smart. I mean, I did say that's that's why he didn't want to go to Australia, mm. didn't want all yep. the hassle. Yep. 
I hope he's staying at home with his cat, with Rafa, <laughs> wrapped up on the sofa. <laughs> I mean, I have seen, Kim, that apparently the weather in Melbourne is not meant to be great um, on Friday, uh-huh. um, which, you know, obviously that is not coronavirus, but that could have wiped out, a, you know, a day's play. Um, I think the, you know, the fact that they're so tightly packed together these events and the, the Australian Open it it feels like there does not leave lot, a lot of room for a plan B or a contingency um and you know because we're you know because the situation has changed that has almost kind of thrown up the need for a contingency and it's there it feels like maybe they're going to have to kind of think on their feet in terms of what you know what that is you know whether they act that you know they just stop these events and just kind of do a clean break and then have the Australian Open or they play these events to an end, have a little pause and then do, you know, the Australian Open. But it doesn't feel like, I mean, what do you think? Do you, do you feel like the Australian Open at the moment is going to start on Monday? Um, yeah, if, the, if there's bad weather, I, I can see it perhaps being delayed by one or two days. But I was also thinking they might just um, have, a, have a no fan policy now, um, mm, yeah. especially if they, this particular worker of the hotel tested positive and has been um i think he was in like coles or something and and various um you know like melbourne golf academy is one of the places so i mean if you've got people i know they've tried to trace all those contacts but if it's potentially out there somewhere then are they really going to want i don't know a 50 percent capacity crowd at the tennis possibly not i i mean i would Get rid of the fans. <laughs> I know that yeah, sounds okay. terrible. At the moment, Kim, on, on the TV, it does look like they've, they've got no fan policy yeah. in place already. Because I know I mean, it does. Kind of isn't it? You know, I don't know if, as I said, this situation's kind of kept kept people away. You know, they're, they're more cautious now, and as a result of that, they're, they're not wanting to go. I know this is. I know we're in the midweek, and this is not you know at the weekend, and you know people. You know, got working lives and as a result they might not have been able to kind of get there but the the crowds on the the tv they've looked quite they've looked quite sparse haven't they yeah i was wondering i was thinking oh have they not allowed fans for the the, the warm-up you know events um and then i saw there was a couple there and i thought oh maybe maybe locals are just scared like to go somewhere where there's going to be lots of people I, I don't know maybe it's a fear fear element as well um or maybe some are like kind of boycotting it because they don't agree with it being there um i don't know it's yeah it's really sad to see because obviously you know you just think back to when like we've been there and it's been so full of life and it does seem a bit sad when you do kind of watch it and it's empty and yeah that may be the case uh going forwards obviously but we'll have to see let's kind of wrap it up and, and just kind of touch on for the kind of the last topic is, is Craig Tiley because, you know, a lot of eyes will now be on tennis Australia and what their kind of next move is. And, you know, of course he has been the, 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 the guy, the, you know, the big sort of cheerleader in terms of getting this all together, you know, protecting his assets in Adelaide and making sure, you know, putting on chartered flights, etc. I mean, this is going to be a make, this feels like a big sort of make or break moment for him and how he's potentially even seen, um, you know, in, in Australian tennis, the, you know, how he's able to kind of handle this because let's play devil's advocate here and say Australian Open doesn't go ahead. Do you think, you know, people are going to say that's a failure of of Craig Tidy. You know, the fact that they've had so much time to, um, you know, to put on this tournament, you know, safely, securely. Are they going to? Do you think it, it it could go down that path, or do you think it's more, 
you know, it was it was always going to be impossible. He's done his best, and you know, good for him. But it just it, the circumstances just didn't allow it. I mean, where do you do you kind of see? Where do you kind of see that narrative developing? Well, I think he's got a bit of a poison chalice, isn't he? Like, I think anyone in his position would be having a, a bit of a mare of it right now. I, I I don't know what they could have done differently, to be honest, with the whole quarantine thing. I that 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 is the situation. That is the rules. They've had to listen to the you know Victoria Health governmental advice or what have you. So I don't think he's done anything out of um, out of place. I, I don't think anyone in his position would have done an awful lot different, to be honest. Um, I'm sure post AO whatever happens there'll be a big wash up and they'll kind of analyze everything that's gone on but I think he's doing an all right job I don't I mean I wouldn't want to be in his shoes Joel so (laughs) I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt (laughs) all eyes will be on Craig Tiley and his next move with Tennis Australia and what they do on this dramatic day um in Melbourne we're gonna we're gonna leave it there but I hope you've enjoyed listening to this emergency podcast from the passing shop and but if you want to stay up to date on all of the tennis news with the passing shop to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice whether that's on Apple Podcasts Spotify Overcast, Castbox, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And if you are enjoying listening to the show on Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave us a rating and comment. And you can follow us on social media at Passing Shop Pod. We're on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook and uh, mostly on Twitter, especially over the course of the next few weeks. Uh, so do give us a follow, get in touch. And you can also send us an email, PassingShopPod at gmail.com. We will be back hopefully tomorrow uh, talking about the Australian Open draws. Uh, as I said, we're expecting them to happen tomorrow. And if they do so, we're going to be back tomorrow evening uh, assessing those draws. So look out for that if, if the draws do take place. Um, we're also going to do a catch up of all the competition at some point. Um, it might be on Sunday. It might be on Monday. We'll just have to wait and see. We're just sort of playing it by ear at the moment, as I imagine kind of Tennis Australia are and all the people are in in, um, in Melbourne as well so you know look out for that as well but um, yeah this has been our emergency podcast uh, for the Australian Open and um, the dramatic day that has unfolded in Melbourne hope you have enjoyed listening and we'll see you again soon Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.